1: There's joy in every journey.
2: It is the Batter Up Podcast. The 20th day of August 2020 is the day that we record this. It is on the day after a rainout and the day of a scheduled day off. And in the middle of a very pivotal homestand for the Atlanta Braves, as they sit currently 14-11, and 11 in sole possession of first place in a very highly competitive National League East Division. Willie P, Will Palachuk here with you, along with my cohorts. We say hello to Joe Patrick. Hey,
3: Willie P. Nothing's changed since we last did an episode, right?
2: Uh, at least last time that we talked, <laughs> I guess you could say. It was the last time anything changed. Hello, Caleb Johnson. What's going on? So, yeah, what has changed since we last spoke? Um, a lot. Uh, injuries to <laughs> Ronald Acuna, injuries to Ozzy Albies. Uh, Nick Markakis goes down. Christian Pache is called up. Uh, you could take this any number of ways you want to, Joe, but uh, the state of the Braves as we sit now, with uh, I guess you could say 25 uh, games gone, if you will.
3: Yeah, I was talking, what show was it? I think it was on Dukes and Bell last week, and I kind of described the team as being in a state of kind of free fall, to be perfectly honest, when they were on that that, that losing stretch. And they had, not only were they losing games, but obviously this bad news with Acuna and Albies and all this stuff was going on. Um, and it was just like, you got to do something to try to stop yourself from that free fall. And they were able to do that. you know They won those two games in Miami and then came back and had a really nice comeback win against Washington with the, uh, the walk-off homer from Dansby. So to me, that kind of signaled, like, if you're in free fall, they kind of got an edge of the cliff, you know, they got a side of the cliff by a, by a hand, uh, but they got to try to keep that for as long as they can before this trade deadline hits, because I really think they will improve the squad. I think Alex Anthopoulos has been working his ass off trying to get some starting pitchers in, but until then, you just got to try to do whatever you can to tread water.
2: Caleb, there's lots of uncertainty with the starting rotation. Uh, The lineup has had its state of flux, uh, lost one of its biggest hitters in Nick Marcakis going out with COVID. But I do think that you can find some signs for encouragement, including that of Dansby Swanson, who's hitting everything in the box now like it's a beach ball. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those, the first sign that I had of him
4: once we came back and started this whole summer camp thing was he just – he looked really fit, you know. Some guys who took time off came back and and you know were were I would I would call it a little little tubby. Uh but Dansby <laughs> on the other hand, came back and he just looked really chiseled and it seems like him putting on that muscle is has made a, a noticeable improvement with with his game offensively. Um it, it's still one of those he he is definitely a bright spot that is gone in this lineup but i just the the question marks seem to keep piling up and it's one of those as a Braves fan you're just kind of like the the i think of the meme of the dog sitting at the table while the flames are going around you know and you're just kind of like everything's fine everything's this is fine. fine yeah you know <laughs> it's one of those like we're we're still holding it together there's still that optimism but <laughs> But honestly, it is one of those that the Braves' upcoming schedule of Philly, New York, Philly, Boston is one of those of, like, um, uh, I think everything will be fine. <laughs> you
3: know, it's, it's been really fun to see Dansby perform so well. I just want to add on to what you said. I totally agree with him looking uh, fit. And he looks strong, like, in the upper body, forearms. Like, you can tell. Like, he's, like, really developed and matured over these last couple years just physically. But I also think mentally as well. You know, he always had that yeah. stigma of being that top pick, and and can he live up to all that stuff? And now the team is relying on him. He's hitting first in the order with all these injuries and things, and it doesn't seem to efface him at all. If anything, he's just picked up where he left off. So I, yeah, that's really promising for me to see from him.
4: The other interesting, the the thing that I found interesting, his first walk off the other night. I, I have to say. It must be the fact Dansby must typically be the guy on third or on second who is driving in the run that's, that uh that wins a game for the Braves. Because I feel like there's so many moments in my head that I see him, you know, excited at the plate or sliding in or whatever. And so it was weird when I when that stat came across that it, it was his first walk off. I was like, wait, really? And I was like, like he, oh, okay, like well,
2: he, he's. He's had game-winning hits. Yeah. It's just they haven't come in the ninth inning or the bottom of the ninth
0: inning. I think that's kind of what it is.
2: And that's the part of it that I find interesting is that, you know, that has been, if there is a positive to center around, despite all the negativity that we've had around the Braves, uh, it is certainly that we've seen a player who uh, was much maligned last year because of injury and other issues uh, really kind of come into his own. He's uh, become a leader on this ball club. And that also begs the question, because there's been a lot of this talk. And before we get into the current particulars of where the roster sits currently, when Ozzie and Ronnie get back, are you in favor of leaving the lineup similar to the way it looks right now where you have a one-two punch at the top with Dansby and Freddie, or do you want to go back to the way it was with Ronald leading off, Ozzie hitting second, and some amalgamation of of Freddie third, Azuna fourth, Dansby fifth? How would you construct that?
3: It's a great question, Will, because, uh, you know, Acuna uh, uh, to be fair he was getting super hot it looked like he was about to return to kind of the Acuna that we knew before he got injured but still you know overall this season he hadn't really been hitting the ball as well and you have to imagine if he's coming off a lot of time off he might his you know the timing might not be there and everything so maybe he's not your best option to be hitting first in the order I'm not like I know there are people who take very strong stances on how the batting order should be and everything but I'm actually one of the people who Last year, when Ronald Acuna was moved from fourth to first, I mean, I think it was beneficial for him. But I don't. I think it was. I think it's been overplayed. Uh, I think a lot of that offensive increase that the Braves had during that time was honestly from Austin Riley, who came up and was hitting the lights out. Um, If you look at Ronald Acuna's splits between if he hits fourth and he hits first, it's not that big a difference. It's slightly better first, but um, I wouldn't be opposed to leaving Dansby and Freddie in the one two, and then maybe you have. Acuna hit third and Ozzy fourth or something like that. To be honest, I'm always intrigued by kind of different lineups and um, how they'll play out. And I'm, I would be intrigued to see something different that we haven't seen.
4: Well, I think the main thing is just the fact that it is, it at least it seems to me that it's very unlikely that everybody's just going to come back all at the same time. You know I mean? The, these, yeah, these guys are going to kind of stagger as they come back. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, Snit kind of messes with the lineup around a little bit, although it does seem from both Snick's perspective and Freddie Freeman's perspective that leaving him in that two spot has, has kind of been uh I don't know it, it seems like Freddie's enjoyed that you know like he uh almost gets that that little kid like uh smile out of out of the opposing pitcher kind of being like hold up wait I gotta do with him already kind of deal uh so. Yeah, maybe you uh, maybe you do leave Dansby up top and Freddie, and then just try to to fill in towards the bottom, especially that seven eight nine where just no one can seem to get a hit.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was funny because after that first game where Snit put Freddie in the two hole, uh, he was asked about it after the game, of course, and Snit was like, he's he was like, I really like it. <laughs> he was like, yeah. he was like, he was coming up in big spots, um, and it goes to show. And Snit said, you know. It's different when you have a DH and you're not just having the two spot being two spots away from the pitcher. Uh, and I think that, yeah, that's a big difference for th- for this Braves lineup.
2: And that's the big part that I kind of wanted to touch on with regards to batting Freddie second. It, I think it matters who's hitting in that number nine spot and the game on Wednesday night it wasn't Ender Enciarte who, to give Ender his credit, mm-hmm. Caleb Johnson, he had <laughs> yeah. three hits. There we go. You better do it. He <laughs> had three hits in the game that Christian Pache was called up. Now, granted, that probably represents about a fifth of his entire output <laughs> for the entire season. So, you know, congratulations to, to Mr. Inciarte. He's not the worst numbers on the team. I don't, I'm not saying he is. There's plenty, there's plenty of blame to go around in that seven, eight, nine black hole that sits down at the bottom of that Braves lineup right now. Uh, before I get to, to bashing Ender, I did want to ask and kind of bring up something that you and I talked about on the air, Joe. Uh, bringing up Pache, I understand the circumstances with bringing him up and replacing Marquecas on the roster temporarily, but I've always been of the opinion that you bring a guy like Pache up to leave him on the big league roster. You don't bring him up to be an intermittent at bat receiver. You bring him up to get regular at bats. You leave him there because I think it's incredibly damaging to the psyche of a player, especially in the situation that we have right now where you're not playing games at that alternate side other than the occasional intra squad. In my opinion, he needs to get regular at-bats. He needs to be in the lineup every day. You can't send him back down when Cakes is ready to come off the COVID list.
3: Yeah, and you start the clock on him, you know, the, the the time from the time you bring him up. So it seems self-defeating if you bring him up and start his clock only to send him back down a few days later when somebody else is ready to get plugged back into the starting lineup. And if you're looking at a player who is, you know, by all accounts, your future out in center field, then it makes total sense to just use this opportunity to get to plug him into the squad. And keep things rolling from there and I think it's really interesting because he kind of we again we talked about this on the air today but he kind of profiles the same as Ender and Ciarte and so I think that this really although Ender you know kind of came back and had a really nice game reached base four times in the Braves last game um, I I think it's maybe a little bit too late for him uh, and I think it's only a matter of time before we see Pache kind of Uh, usurp him in that center field role and especially because Ender's defense hasn't even really been that good this year and that was kind of supposed to be his calling card his that was supposed to be the floor for Ender right that's why he was out there uh, and you hope the bat gets going and I think that Pache gives you just as good a defense if not better this year Um, and then obviously there's a ton of upside there with the bat.
2: I could see the steam coming out of Caleb Johnson's ears right now. I could <laughs> well, see because, it. Well, because,
3: all right, it's one of those, like, the the
4: moments that Ender messes up, of course, they are going to stick out in your head. And there they're was noticeable, yeah. Uh, yeah, what was, uh, was it this past week or last week that it was in the same game that he just had, it was it had gotten it so Yankee bad. Game.
2: It was the Yankee game.
4: Okay, yeah, because that was, it had gotten so bad, I turned the game off, and you guys were texting me like, ah, Ender again, and I was like, <laughs> I don't even what I don't even care. I don't even. It was care. it yeah, was the Yankee, I, It was one of the yeah. two
2: Yankee losses. I forget yeah, but
4: mean. it is one of those. Like yeah, obviously, NCRT is playing for his defense, and the same like like Joe was saying, the same is true for uh for uh, pache. I'm having pache. Pache. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I am I am having such a hard time for the longest, and I guess it's because all of us down here in the south that I had heard pache for the longest time, and that is. Deeply ingrained in my head, Pache. but yeah. But now all of a sudden, you know, uh, whether it's Chip or whoever, they're all pronouncing it correctly, and I'm like, okay, all right, we gotta gotta do a better job, uh, Pache. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he he is. They're bringing him up for, or his calling card is going to be his his defensive abilities. And so, why on earth do you call him up just for him to to pinch hit? Or oh, 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 whatever, like, that's just, you know, that's, you're not using him to his full potential. So I think if you're going to bring him up, you want him to play out and center and get that experience. But at the same time, he was a guy that a lot of people thought he could use some some more time down in AAA this year. And now he's not getting that opportunity. And at the same time, he's facing his own guys down at the alternate site. So... Why not try him out? Although I have been scratching my head and, and I brought up the question to you guys of I get the Marquecas deal and so the Braves needed an outfielder. But they need plenty of pitching and they seem so afraid to to pull off the plastic sheeting on their their young pitching prospects. But they did it a pasche real quick as soon as Marquecas thought he might have come in contact with someone who had COVID.
2: Yeah, no, okay, so that literally, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Kayla, because it it leads me to my my next point. And, uh, and I heard Mike Bell talking about this on Dukes and Bell earlier this week, and, and it just kind of comes back, he used the term brainwashing, and I won't use that term, but there was a significant platform placed here in the time of John Sherholtz, that prospects were made out to be gold and we had been manipulated to think that we in Atlanta need to operate like a small market club and you need to have a farm system that rivals the best or is the best in baseball and a lot of your stuff has to be homegrown not just from the standpoint of we are in a warm weather state and a warm weather city with baseball tradition you should be able to draft and cultivate a lot of your own prospects. And we've seen a lot of those Atlanta area guys come through the fold, Dansby, Chipper, and the like. But the problem is, is that the glorification of some of these guys has kind of gone overboard. And it also makes me, it kind of helps me almost pause a little bit when thinking about guys like Weigel and Davidson and Anderson. And I'm wondering if Maybe the reason we haven't seen any of these three guys up at the big league level is you're seeing what's happened to Tukey, to Kyle Wright, to Bryce Wilson, to Newcomb. And again, Newcomb I know was acquired from outside the organization, but you're seeing, I think, a lot of the reason why you know we're not seeing any of those three guys from that gold aspect because the last thing the Braves want to do is mortgage their entire farm system and prove to the world that hey we've messed up and not figured out how to draft legitimate pitching. Am I am I crazy? Am I on the right track or am I am I way out in left field? Pardon the pun.
4: No, I'm with you. It just it's <laughs> from the from the brainwashing aspect uh, is it's a it's a constant promise of hope towards the future. I mean that is. That is what being an Atlanta sports fan is, isn't it? Is we'll get them next, next year's year. Our year, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Next year is our year, and so it's one of those. Like I, I mean, the analogy of, of peeling off the plastic. Uh, you know, when it comes to these pitching prospects, is as long as you keep it nice and sealed and in its box, you know, and on the shelf, and you're like, man, someday that's gonna be worth something. Someday that's gonna be worth something. And as long as you don't have to pull it off the shelf and you unpackage it and it's Bryce Wilson and it's broken. And then you're like, Oh no, what do I do with it now? But honestly, I mean, it's one of those, they don't, I do. I don't think they want to do that with these young pitching prospects is bring them in. It doesn't work out. And then we slap a tag on it that it's like, well, nope, that's defective. And you, you know, and, box and, and,
3: have, yeah. you, have you, have you guys ever heard of the Schrodinger's cat experiment, philosophical thought experiment? so yes but i'm trying to be reminded here's here's generally how it goes there's a cat inside of a box and you have like essentially you pull a string or push a button or whatever and there's a 50 50 chance that um an explosion happens inside of that box and it kills the cat um and so the the philosophical question is does the cat die when you push the button or does the cat die when you open the box and see that he's dead and so I feel like that's sort of like how it is with these Braves prospects, where it's like, is it better to just keep the box closed and let somebody else open that box and see if uh see if the cat's dead or alive? Yeah, like is so. That to like, your... uh, when a tree falls
2: in the forest, does it make a noise? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it,
3: yeah, it's it's like one of those philosophical things. Um and so I think it's inter- I think it's an interesting situation. Cause you're right. I think it is a much more risky proposition to try to develop your own pictures, especially because you really have to give yourself multiple chances with with starting pitchers right in terms of like you if you want to get two or three quality starting pitchers you need a stable of like seven or eight top prospects that you think can pan out because Mm -hmm. the odds are going to be that not all of them do so I think it does make sense to try to trade for pitching um there are some risks that that come along with doing that as well but yeah I mean I think that a lot of uh, Braves fans especially have become very attached to some of these prospects because you hear so much about them from from day one so I think it's really interesting to see the way that the organization has dealt with these three guys, especially like guy Tucker Davidson, who seems like I just feel like I've been hearing about him and how much coaches and other beat writers and stuff just are praising what they've seen from him and his progress since like, honestly the initial spring training. And so you would think that this would have been the perfect opportunity for him, but you also think maybe there's a reason why the organization isn't calling him in right now.
2: And you're you're right, they don't help themselves, Joe. Like when you put an alternate site scrimmage and broadcast it in advance of a night game on a weekend inside Truist Park and you start Ian Anderson in that game, all that's going to do is just continue that particular discussion. And again, it's going to bring off the questions to Alex Anthopoulos and to Brian Snitker. Hey, by the way, we started Robbie Erlin the other night. Why the hell is this guy still in Gwinnett? And not to bit not to badmouth Robbie Erland. Robbie Erland actually looked out and his, he probably pitched the best game yeah. of a starting pitcher in the last three weeks. Can we can we be honest about something though?
4: The likelihood of that ever happening again. <laughs> very slim. I mean, that was just one of those I mean, you you guys knew. Like I was I was hot the night that it was announced. Oh, you were hot. Was, you were very yeah, hot. The, the night they, it was announced that he was going to start, and then, of course, I watched the game and I'm like, "Oh, okay. all right. All right, I see you. Uh-huh.: Well, and honestly though, because and, and let's go through the mind of Robbie and that, you know, in his perspective, if he pitches poorly, is he, be, is he going to be given his papers at the end of the game? kind of deal? Like maybe I don't know. A little kinda
3: Yoli shasin like situation, like yeah. We'll ride you until like, you're hot, and when you're not, we'll just let you let you run free.
4: Yeah, I mean he was he was picked up for nothing anyway, so it was All one right. of those. It it felt like one of those scenarios where I was like, okay, Robbie was probably up on the mound, like I am pitching for my career <laughs> at 29, and so he had yeah, and so he had a uh, you know a career game or whatever. Like it, really, yeah, one just, of the best.
3: Really, he just threw strikes. Yeah, <laughs> and that's yeah. like what the oh, like. There's, Braves are just looking for somebody who can throw strikes right well, that's about now. That's what Josh Tomlin does, and that's yeah. part
2: of the reason why Brian Snitker uh, rode him on Tuesday night, and he's going to get another start on Sunday against Philadelphia, which, again, is, is part of the reason why that's another one where it's like, why did you wait so long when you when the problem is obvious? When Tukey and Kyle and Nuke, none of them can get the ball over the plate, and and Fulte gets up to the plate, you can time it with a sundial, even though the board was wrong, right? <laughs> But even so, knowing what the problem was, why can you not use your best strike thrower in the rotation? So I'm thinking, again, like that's why... I'm wondering why they took so long to use Tomlin as a starter, because it seemed to me that that was an inherently obvious choice from the outset, especially for a guy who has started two World Series games before. I know I'm like Mr. Josh Tomlin. I'm like Josh Tomlin's fan club. The only person who has a greater player love in this freaking podcast is Caleb and Ciarte for reasons I still haven't <laughs> figured out yet. But the problem is, again, it's just like, hello? Like, Josh Tomlin, that seemed like a, an obvious thing, no? I mean, Well, and,
4: the, his, and, and the way that Snit talked about him. I mean, that was, we would come in here every week and Joe's talking about, yeah, I was listening to Snit talk last night. and He's talking, you know, how much he loves what Josh Tomlin can do in any position that he gets put in. and And, and we're all standing here like, hey, it kind of seems like the real obvious position to put him in is... To to
2: start the game, yeah, but, but I want to be able to know. use him more, Caleb. I can't use yeah. him every other day if I have him as a starter now.
3: Yeah, that's uh, a that. I mean, that's no. yeah. That that's seriously the reasoning. But I, yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm with you guys. I don't really have a reason as to why they haven't used him earlier in that role. But uh, yeah, it is interesting. I would to uh, uh, I, I would do what just really quick. You mentioned Ian Anderson, them like. <laughs> Was it a mistake to show us a glimpse of what he was? It's like, yes, it's like that to take it back to the Schrodinger's cat thing. It's like taking a peek inside the box, being like, I think it's moving. I think it's moving.
4: (laughs) Well, no, clearly they were clearly they cared what people thought about how Ian Anderson looked in that performance. Because Pete
2: O'Brien got cut,
4: yeah, he yeah. hit a home run after him, yeah. <laughs> off of him, let's, and they were like, nah, yeah. Pete, you got to get out of here, not,
2: man." Let's not gloss over that. By the way, my guy yeah. Pete O'Brien, all does, yeah.
3: all the man does, is hit bombs, and he gets cut. <laughs> What's the deal? W- 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 what has to happen? I guess Josh like, Tomlin seriously. has kind of replaced Pete O'Brien in your your heart. We need <laughs> yeah. to have some sort I, of like I've funeral, some soft... sort of eulogy for Pete O'Brien.
2: I've always had a Seriously soft spot though. for Josh just cuz I remember I told you, I told you the story about Josh about how, you know, I saw him in the miners. Who does Snit love more, Tomlin or Cakes?
3: Ooh, that's a Ooh. tough
2: one. I think Cakes
4: because of the the longevity. Like, like he's just been there longer. Longer relationship, was, you yeah. know. He
3: was there for the bad times, <laughs> kind of deal. Yeah. Like, he's he's been through thick and thin. They're like they're like the the couple that got together in high school. So so, and, Cakes is the high school sweetheart, and Tom yeah, Lans Cakes a is the side piece. High... Is that it? Nah, I don't know. Side piece is just the new, you know, the new interest. The new they, they they just met at a at a bar in Midtown, so you know, it's That's making the funny. heart flutter a little bit. You're getting the adrenaline going a little bit saying that as I look out my midtown apartment trying to
2: find... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you're going to get me in trouble now. Uh, uh, so we sit here. You guys mentioned the schedule. It's very daunting. Uh, Philadelphia for three, then the Yankees for two, Philly again, Boston, and then four with Washington, which includes a doubleheader that was rescheduled from Wednesday night before you see the Marlins again. This, this real da- gauntlet here... Three, four, uh, basically this stretch of, of 12 to 13 games. 500
3: or better, I think, is is, is what you're shooting for right here. Yeah, I, I think 500, you are ecstatic with that. Because not only uh, if you look at the teams, but if you look at the actual starting pitchers you're scheduled to go up against right now, Nola, Wheeler, Eflin, Cole, Paxton, Wheeler, Eflin, Arietta I mean, that is not, <laughs> that is not an easy run of games is that, that you're going not to have. good <laughs> no <laughs> well
4: and it is one of those like you know i every 18, time 18 i 18
3: games
2: basically is what this looks like basically Eight, or 14 games i should say
4: now i i am curious to ask you guys with here in the next like what week or two with them having what seems like uh an outrageous number of off days is really? that is yeah is that really is that going to help things
2: It'll help them skip uh, guys in the rotation more often, like Kyle Wright. Yeah. And that's the part of it that I think is advantageous and is the back-loaded benefit from having uh, started this season with 20 consecutive games. Uh, The problem is, though, is you have the day off today. You have one uh, on Monday after the Phillies series, one in between the Yankee and Phillies series a week from Thursday, and then only two more rest of the year. So that's the part of it. So you're, you're off basically three consecutive, or it looks like, yeah, three consecutive Thursdays. You're off the 20th, 27th, and the
3: third of September, and then the only one you have left is the 17th. But I think it specifically helps that these off days are coming in this stretch that's leading up to the trade deadline. Because the Braves yeah, are essentially saying, using yeah. all these days before the trade deadline to try to get something done. And the more you don't have to go put yourself out there on the baseball diamond and take a win or a loss... I mean, it's, that's going to help you in terms of trying to tread water before you can get reinforcements in. So I think that, honestly, I think the timing of these off days is actually helping the Braves right now. As, as much as the 20 consecutive games, although they did, I think, have a one postponed game in that, um, so they actually did get a day off to start the they season. Um, it's kind of helping them right now, considering they need to make deals, and they're, I'm sure, really trying their hardest to make some deals, and they've got some days off in this meantime.
2: So these are the teams that are out of it right now. Pittsburgh. San Francisco's eight out. Boston is out of it. I think we can all agree. Kansas City is six out. The Angels and Seattle are both nine and nine and a half out. So those are the teams, those are the scenarios where you're looking to see okay, do you go get a pitcher from those teams? The name Nate Uvalde was brought up today. I don't see the Braves going out and picking on a guy like that unless they can get him for. Next to nothing and or scraps, and the problem is teams are going to hang up the phone on the Braves if they don't come back with either one of the two between Pache or Waters or Ian Anderson on the phone. At least I don't think or Kyle Wright, and that's a problem.
4: Is is it though? <laughs> like we, I mean, we just spent our time talking about all of these prospects that the Braves kind of hold and are precious and don't want to give up and...
2: Well, I'm saying it's a I problem certainly... because I don't, see, I don't see them parting with any of those guys. Is the, is, is, that's the problem. If it's you, me, and, and the three of us making these deals, I probably think that we hold a more aggressive tenor than than AA will, but they've not really seemed inclined to part with any of that quartet that, uh, that I mentioned between Waters, Wright, pache and uh, and anderson i mean i've been saying for weeks i don't think the braves at the deadline go
4: get anyone who is a number one or number two i think it will be one of those later rotation guys who's like okay like we can we can make it work i'm curious because i think at some point before this trade deadline i would assume at least you would call up sean newcomb and see what he's looking like in the bullpen just as like uh hey guys we got him over here maybe you want him. I, I don't i don't know i would think you would want to do that sort of thing also here in the next week if if we ever actually get to play a game that doesn't get rained out or something it feels like but uh if we ever get to see Christian Pache or excuse me I did it again Pache 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 if we ever see him uh then you you obviously start thinking Ender's days are numbered and so maybe he's another piece you throw in
3: to quote unquote sweeten a deal. I I you know I'm just I'm just wondering. So here here's an idea. And I don't know how what players exactly this would relate to, but I think the Braves could make a move in a trade without trading like a Drew Waters. Let's let's say it's a Drew Waters that a team wants uh, or, or that you suspect that teams would want and you don't want to get rid of them. The Braves, you know, a lot of teams are fi- struggling financially right now. The Braves, I think we're down 95 percent in their revenues yeah. from in, in mm-hmm. the second quarter. Um, still, though, the Braves have a huge ownership. And if you can actually splash some cash and take some financial hardship off another team's books, maybe, you know, you can, you can use that to acquire a player. That's how the Braves acquired a guy like Mark Melanson. You know, like they essentially took his big contract off the hands of the Giants. Uh, you wonder if there are some teams who have starting pitchers who they don't really, they they just rather part with them long-term and get their contracts off the books. And so I wonder if that's a, a way the Braves could go. Could I interest you in Andrew Heaney of the Angels,
2: left-hander? Five starts, ERA around four.
3: Reclamation sure. project. I mean, I could be talked into pretty much anyone. It just yep. depends on like what you're giving up. You know, well, like that's what it all comes down to.
4: Well, here's the other one. Uh, we've talked for almost thirty minutes or over thirty minutes. And um, Cole Hamills? No, no.
2: Yeah, <laughs> who's that? Well, it's like here, here's
3: the thing. Like they keep on saying positive things about Cole Hamill's potential return, but it's like at this point they they were saying positive things before they announced that he had a further setback, too. So it's like, I will yeah. believe Hamels when I see it at this point.
2: Derek Holland has an ERA of 7.5 right now.
3: Oof. Okay, you can't talk me into that one. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, there's, there's not a lot out there. I know. There, it's I'm not, sorry, there's, there's not, just not a lot out there. It's
2: not. I'm very discouraged by what's out there. And here's the, here's the terrible part is that, a team like the Indians, who looked like they had a pitching surplus, one of the guys who was there, one of their big uh, pitching commodities, got caught breaking COVID quarantine <laughs> yeah. or, or breaking uh, breaking out of the uh, out of the quarantine there. And Mike Clevenger, like that was a guy who was basically on everybody's wish list. And, and yeah, he ends up uh, breaking the curfew.
3: Maybe Felix will opt back in, like Mark Marquez. <laughs> So see, from your, here, from, the from Andy lips to God's ears—is that what you're <laughs> yeah, telling
4: Well, right, right, right. see, I was about to say Andy was the one who has been talking about him for the longest, and my thing has always been with Felix. Is once he opted out, that dude has not worked out a day <laughs> since. There is no way. So I'm just, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good.
2: Neither have I. Uh, thank you so much for <laughs> joining us. <laughs> Be sure to download the Batter Up podcast wherever you get your podcasts. On the Radio.com app especially is where you can find us also wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to download that and also download us on Twitter at J.A. Patrick 200 at A T L Johnson 18 And you can find me at Willie P. Style. For Joe and Caleb, I'm Will. Thanks for listening to Batter Up, a Radio.com and 92.9
1: The Game exclusive. (sighs)